This is the St. Louis Podcast Network. You're listening to the Last Man Up Podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network. Matt Berger, Clay Byersdorfer, and Andy Hanselman alongside. Wherever you are listening to us, whenever you are listening to us, we hope you are well. We hope you are warm. More than likely, by the time you are listening to this, it will be warmer. Yeah, mm-hmm. so like 65 on Sunday now. Yes. It's hard to get much lower without being just completely up near the North Pole. Correct. Actually, or Chicago. Or Chicago. Good point. Well, I heard that there were parts of the Midwest that were colder than parts of Antarctica today. I got a bunch of uh, pictures sent to me today. As you both know, I'm a former Chicagoan for about a year. Yeah. Not even. Very briefly. Very briefly. You, you dipped your toe in Lake I, Michigan I, and then you moved back. I moved back. Uh, I got a bunch of photos from uh, friends and former colleagues up there that uh, they were taking their shirts and like hosing them down and sticking them outside and see how long it would take to freeze. It was like under five minutes. Well, I saw yeah, it was crazy. Like, freeze into a sheet. I saw the video uh, that someone took of Chicago's north side by the lake, and and the, the Lake Michigan looked like a giant cauldron. It looked like it was boiling. Because steam was coming off of yeah. the lake, and they're talking about how the lake may freeze over, and uh, they can't remember the last time that happened, and all this other different shit. But uh, polar vortex definitely here. And then I guess I saw they said fifteen homeless people froze to death oh, on the well, streets last yeah, night. I mean, how awful! This is I one mean, of those things where you're we, thankful that you well, have a shelter. Sure. I mean, but they were like opening up libraries, and I mean, people like with yeah. general office buildings were telling the homeless people. Hey, come inside and sleep with you. Hang out in the lobby. There were buses going around for like they're like mobile warming stations where you 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 didn't have to get off. You could just get on and stay on it all night. Yeah, if you wanted to. I know this this sounds like easier said than done, mm-hmm. but like if you're homeless, wouldn't you panhandle enough to get like a Greyhound ticket to like San Diego? We or are, someplace. You remember this conversation? Yes, that we, we did had? have this conversation. Before, you remember on five ninety? No, no, no. You remember on 590, we had this exact conversation with Carly Shaver was on. That's right. And I said, nobody wants to get on a bus and ride your ass out to San Diego because people smell like egg salad. Okay, yeah, you're, you're right. No, no, okay, <laughs> now I remember. But okay, yeah, you're, you're homeless. Throwback. You're, 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 I know, you're homeless, you're going to stink. But this, is, this isn't about other people, this is about you. I don't know. I, I think it, that you would not buy a bus ticket because you're just going to... I would, I would figure out better ways to spend that. The guy, the guy at Seventh Street and and in Fifty Five that stands down there, he was like a grand a day. I mean, he was buy a Southwest flight out to out to San Diego. <laughs> yeah, you're right. He, he probably, lives he, he lives in a mansion out in Wildwood. Just stands at the end of, at the end of the uh, freeway co- collecting money. I just think that if you were going to be homeless, that'd be like pri- for me. That'd be priority number one. I got to live in an environment. I got to go go get to an environment where I know that the weather's not going to kill me. Yeah, but, but that's shit's assu- more expensive out there. And that's assuming that you don't have, like, you know, like the homeless people don't have family in Chicago. If they had family, they probably wouldn't be homeless. That's not, well, I don't, that's I not don't know. true. I mean, for the most part. I don't even know if you can make that generality. If you can't count on your family to bail you out when the weather's like this, then they're not going to bail you out ever. You're going to leave them behind. F them. Well, I'm saying not everyone. I agree with that statement. A, well, yeah, I, I'm just saying not everyone has 
fantastic family dynamics. I mean, no, because there's the, a number so, of reasons okay, so why that's, you're that's, homeless. That's that's an even more reason to get your ass to San Diego. Yeah, but if you're homeless and the reason you're homeless is oh, you used to be a drug addict and your family sure, abandoned no, you. I mean, like, yeah, there, if there, your family doesn't take you back, there's there there's many, probably merit to why there aren't too many homeless people who have their shit together enough to do that. I understand most that. homeless people. I mean, if not all homeless, actually, no, all homeless people <laughs> don't officially have their shit together. <laughs> I'm gonna go on record I and think, say that. I think that's no a, homeless, that's no homeless person that's has their shit together. Part of being homeless is not having your shit together. You don't have do, your. Do you shit have your together. shit together? Yes. I'm sorry. You can't be homeless. You can't be homeless. So you, it's one or the other. You can't have your shit together and be without a home. I worked with a guy who was semi-homeless and kind of had his shit together. How do you be? How are you semi-homeless? Lived in hotels from time to time. Yeah, I knew a few people who were like that too. Yeah, so, but his like primary method, like place of sleep and residence was outdoor like in was Larry Rice's shelter. All right. Yeah. My buddy who But was, I mean at the same time you know, I just don't, I don't get how that's possible even with part time like you can afford He had a drinking problem. Well, there you go. My buddy who lives in New York when he moved he lived there before and uh, he moved there in 2001 and then moved back like 2 weeks before Towers got hit. Mm-hmm. And then he moved back again in 2005. Mhm. And in 2005, he didn't have a place to live or anything. He was just going to crash on people's couches until right. he got it together. And it took him longer than he thought to get together. And he lived at his Nissan Altima, I think, for like two weeks. Wow. Because every single time we would see a Nissan Altima, he goes, you know, that's not a bad car to live in if you have to, just so you know. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think they're going to make that part of their sales pitch, but what's just even call the me comeback? crazy. Like, what's your comeback for that? Just like, ha-ha, Good one. Or- Good one. <laughs> well, no, I mean, like, that's what I said. I go, I don't think they're going to make that part of the sales pitch. <laughs> so, I mean, even if you had, there's there's this guy on, there's, there's all kinds of guys on YouTube that uh, live like like a dollar a day in New York, but you can, like, go to the Chinese markets and buy, like, two pounds of bean sprouts for 59 cents and get, like, some, and get, like, some, some rice noodles. St. Louis and, is a very tough city to be homeless in. It is. Because there's such a disconnect between all the neighborhoods and the city and the county. Yeah. I mean, public transit is terrible. And, and one thing I learned about those Chinese uh, those Chinese markets in New York City is that all those prices are usually negotiable. Right. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, like, they'll, they'll, I mean, don't stop and look at anything. When you're walking down the street, if you stop and look at something, they're going to follow you for at least a good two or three blocks. Yeah. And try to get you to buy whatever it is that you're looking at, and you just keep talking them down until it's like five bucks. Happening. It's going to start at twenty five. It's going to end at five dollars. You're like, look, just give me the damn necklace. And yeah, I'm talking about like the Chinese supermarkets. As I'm saying the price Same is probably. Deal. I'm sure they're yeah. still going to be negotiable to a certain point. Yeah. This has been a really uplifting. Very uplifting. Yeah, homeless people. Oh, cold. Yeah. Okay, well, the cold. Yeah, hey, I'll, let's, very let's, let's, very let's, happy. Opening you can blame segment. it. You can blame it on me. Let's change the subject. <laughs> If you had a name that was conducive to a certain type of industry, wouldn't you be like, you know what? I am almost obligated to go into that type of industry. Uh, I don't know. To give you an example. Yeah, I don't know where you're going with this. I found out today that this guy's name, and I'm not making it up when I say this, his name is Dick Bonin. Huh. Gotta be a porn star. That's what I'm saying. If your name is Dick Bonin, you're almost obligated to get into porn. How do you spell Bonin? B-O-N-I-N. B-O-N-I. Wow. Now. That sucks. If, I mean, like, your family can't give you any shit for that either because, look, you named me Dick Bonin. What did you think was going to happen? Talk about asshole parents. Yes. Your parents are assholes if they named him Maybe they named him Richard. He was going to be Rick. 
Rick Bonin. Well, I mean, like, why <laughs> wouldn't you go? Much I almost think like anything with the last. If your last name is Bonin, you're screwed. You do not want to have the word Richard Fred, anywhere near it. Freddie Bonin, it. Scott Bonin, yeah, Clay Bonin, Clay Andy Bonin, Matt Bonin. I, I mean, Dick Bonin, Matt Bonin is oddly close to Matt Bowman. That's true. So it's not as bad. But yeah, if your first name is Richard, I'd name you're my, screwed. I would name no my kid. What. I'm, I'm Bonin. <laughs> I'm Bonin. I like it. Or like, you know, like the first name would be like Isaac. The middle name would be Michael Bonin. I, I am Bonin. There you go. Just go with the initials. Uh, anyways, you were saying. So like you like so you almost have to get into porn because of right. that name. Right. You're, like, you're almost obligated. Right. How could you waste your that name? civic duty. Absolutely. It's like Betty Humpter. The name Betty Humpter. You got um, to be in pornography for that. Mike Concho. Yeah. There, there's <laughs> one where... I'm sure it was probably Photoshop. It was like one of those old like 1950s yearbook photos. Uh-huh. And the woman's name was like BJ Cobbledick. <laughs> so, I mean, like if your name is that, I mean, come on. What do you think was going to happen? Craven Moorhead? So, Something. What, so this... Seymour Bo- Butts. This Bonin. How did you run into this Bonin character? Someone told me about it today like... Oh, this uh, is a story. I thought you had met Dick No, Bowman. I never... If I met him, I'd be like, what are you doing here? You need to be out in the valley shooting porn right now. You're what wasting Dick, your time. What did Dick Bonin actually do? Are you I, allowed he, to he share did, that? No, I, no, I'm not. I'm not even sure what he does. We work in the same too-big-to-fail bank, but I'm not sure what exactly he does. Damn. Dick Bonin, if you're out there. Dick Bonin. Want to meet you. You need to quit wasting that name, sir. You know, you need to get, I don't know you what pack, kind of, pack a suitcase. I, and I, I have no idea what he looks like, but you need to start hitting the gym, get like ridiculously ripped, get that fake tan going, get some highlights in that hair, and then just head out to LA, dude. Something tells You're me that. missing your calling. Something tells me that Dick Bowden's got a dad bod and he's all right with it. Probably so. He's probably already married. He's got two mm-hmm. kids and. People be like Dick Bonin. Like he's he's probably one of those oblivious people. Right. Like the joke is going right over his head. Yeah, you Dick Bonin. I don't get it. Why are you laughing? Why are you snickering? You think he calls his home like the the, the bo- Bone Dome? The Bone Dome. <laughs> you should call it the Bone Dome. <laughs> welcome, bone do- welcome to the Bone. Welcome dome. to the Bone Dome. Oh my god! I mean, like, look, the jokes write themselves. You can they have, really you, do. You can have so much fun. You'd be the. T- I mean, it's a great opening line. I mean, the, great conversation three, starter. If the three of us ever went bowling, that would be like someone's name on the bowling sheet. They had the scores. Mm-hmm. Be like, hey, make my name Dick Bonin. Like, make make my name, you know, um, um, I, Dirk Diggler. <laughs> I like the people that will, like, write out a full sentence with their names, like three or four, like, I love hot sex. <laughs> <laughs> it will be just down the line. All yeah. you read on the screen is I love hot sex. Do you remember... Um, at the very at the at the very end of uh, office space, Drew from logistics. No, Drew was was the other that worked with uh, the uh, main characters. Uh, he was going to take the chick from logistics, and he was going to he was going to show her, show him his O face. Oh, oh yeah. Sure, so, but at the end, they were like doing some some um, bloopers, and so he said, "I'm going to take her for a ride on the old bone coaster." Ooh. <laughs> Love the bone. That's I always laugh at that. It's hilarious. Bone All the space is an underrated movie. Is it still underrated? I think it's underrated. I, I don't. With this millennial generation just bringing everything back, I think it's just a good movie. The millennials probably find it offensive on some molecular level. God knows because that's what they do now is ruin everything. They they the, beat up they beat up that printer with the baseball bat. Yeah. I gotta go find my safe space. Yeah, there's something sexist or racist or something in it. It's just I mean it's exhausting. The, the one guy, guy who works at Kotchkeys, he flips off Jennifer Aniston. 
I have to go to the safe space for that. Is that how millennials sound? Is that how it I is sound? now? <laughs> is that your millen- that your that's your millennial voice? I gotta go find the safe space. I like that. Oh, safe space. <laughs> Someone who is not in a safe space. He's in a, he's in a great space. He's down in Atlanta for Super Bowl Fifty Three, where we should Super be. Super Bowl mm. Fifty Three. Uh, Vinny Bonsignor from the Athletic and AM Five Seventy Sports in Los Angeles. He'll be joining us later to talk about the Rammies down in Atlanta. If you're the Rams, though, you got to feel a little bit good about. Okay, you know the last time. We were in the Super Bowl in Atlanta. We won. The weather was also bad, too, because the weather down in Atlanta is supposed to be bad. Like, unusually, unseasonably bad for that time of the year. It's in a dome, though. Now? No. Or, or, back, in, or back in 2000? Back in 2000, it was. Yeah, I, it was I'm, not, I'm not saying it's going to have oh, any... Oh, okay, okay. I'm not saying it's going to have any effect on the game. You're just saying the... the, the and they're wearing the throwbacks, too. Now, it wasn't the same uniform that the Rams wore when they won the Super Bowl in, because they, they, don't, they don't wear those anymore at no. all. They want, that was the gold white the whites with the gold and blue correct trim. yeah yep. I remember that Patriots went all blue gray helmet yep wait a minute no no wait no the, the when they won it, the Super Bowl it, in two thousand uh, they wore the they were wearing the royal blues and yellows but it was the white jersey though of that it wasn't the blue it wasn't the blue and gold ones that they it wasn't the blue and gold throwback that they wear now it was the 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 at the time was considered the home jerseys. Or the away jerseys, rather, for the right. Rams. Right, it's like a dark navy blue. No, the- it's 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 that kind of like that royal blue and white, but the jer- the front of the jersey is white and the sleeves were yellow and they had like a blue horn. Oh, that's right. That's what they wore. Mm. It was yeah, it was their old old away uniform. Yes. Okay. So other than that, and and, uh, and the opponent, obviously. Yeah. But for for the most part, they got to feel pretty good about like, hey, you know what? Maybe the universe is. Lining up in our favor again, yeah. down in Atlanta. So, what are they wearing down there? This they're wearing their home uniforms, blues or blues and yellows. They're they're wearing the, the throwback blue and golds. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's what so they're wearing. Are so. they technically the home team? I guess if they're wearing that jersey, they're considered the home team. I'm yeah. not sure how that. Who had the better record? Pages. Is that how it's determined? I'm Who's not sure how it's determined to be honest with you. So? Or maybe like think, okay, I if think it's, it is a record. If it's in an, in, I don't, I don't think you even think of this football game. It kind of matters. But I think maybe if, like if you're in an NFC city, you're the home team, right. and if you're in an AFC city, you're that makes sense. you're the you're the away team. I'm not sure. Super Bowl Fifty Four is in Miami, so I'm glad that we missed this one. We're going to go out of that one. There we go. We will be in South <laughs> am, Beach next I'm year. I'm going to make this happen. I know you will. We. I'm going to make it happen. You got. I have no I doubt. Have, I have the guy. Three hundred seventy-one days. Yep. 371 we'll, days. We'll, we'll start a GoFundMe page right now, getting Matt and Clay and Andy to, to Miami. <laughs> or just go sell some advertising. Well, or we can do that, too. GoFundMe might be a little That's easier. That's a hard-working begging, way. Right? Begging might be easier. Way. Right. Let's go stand at the end at the end of the 7th Street there exit off 55. <laughs> um, I want to talk about baseball a little bit right now. It looks like the Cardinals team, as is, is going to be the team they are going to go into spring training with. Yep. It doesn't look like they're going to be adding any more. Uh, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado still out there yet to be signed. I know yesterday there was kind of a big tease that Bryce Harper was going to sign with the Philadelphia Phillies, and that was going to coincide with the release of MLB The Show or one of the Major League Baseball video games. Mm-hmm. They're still out there. Um, I, the Cardinals, they did not do enough, in my opinion, to compete with the Brewers. I mean, to, they're going to compete. I don't think they're on the same level, though, as the Brewers and the Cubs. I mean, they're better than they were last year. They were. Goldschmidt's going to do that. And I think, um, you know, having a lot of guys healthy, having a lot of guys, you know, and, uh, you know, get a full season in will really dictate whether they added enough or not. Because if, 
you look back at last season, I mean, obviously they didn't perform as well, but they had the injury bug bit them quite a bit more than others. So, and, and in pretty serious ways. So a lot of guys were out for an extended period of time. So I'm going to be really interested to see, you know, the, the 40 man roster as it stands now, who comes out of camp, who, you know, who's on the 25 man. And, uh, especially from a pitching standpoint, how those young arms really respond. So the jury's still out for me, I guess I should say. I am really curious to see how Ozuna's going to look. Yep. And I'm really curious, obviously, as much as every, like like everybody else in St. Louis, how Dexter Fowler's going to look, too. Yep. If Marcelo Ozuna and Dexter Fowler, if they both have, like, I mean, I wouldn't even say that Ozuna needs to have a bounce back year, but if he can play like he did two years ago, mm-hmm. Hell, if Fowler could play like he did two years ago, then I'm going to feel a little bit better about their chances. Just that to me right now, I think the Cardinals have too many question marks. And even in the rotation, like Miles Michaelis was great last year. Can you bank on him doing that again? I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Yeah. You know, you got Michael Waka, he's got his injury problems. You got um, Alex Reyes, you got, and he's got his injury problems. Mm-hmm. You forget about Wainwright. Yep. I mean, they, to my opinion, they've got a lot of question marks. And to think that the man was just kind of like, okay, yep. We got our team. Let's go. I like. I'm a little baffled. Well, for me, I think that the something that I haven't felt as confident about is the potential of this Cardinals team, as opposed to the years past, where you go into the season thinking like they definitely don't have enough. What I find really intriguing with this year's squad is you do have a lot of guys coming back uh, from injuries, some guys in contract years. So you know how players typically perform in contract yep. years; they perform very well and go out and get the big money, and then suck for the rest of their career. So you guys, you have guys in contract years like Marcelo Zuno, Miles Michaelis, who if those two players are better than they were last year, I think you're head and shoulders above the Brewers and the Cubs. So that in itself is its own, you know, own merit for consideration. But the thing that I'm most interested in is seeing how these young arms respond to a full season load of work. Um, you know, they went with the baby birds right about halfway through last year, and they almost made the playoffs. You know, they were, um, you know, pretty darn close at one point. So seeing these kids a full season, seeing a full season of Jordan Hicks, um, I think is going to be really exciting. Um, seeing Alex Reyes come back um, and not and and knowing that, you know, Adam Wainwright is not going to be the fifth guy out there is also very intriguing to me. So. Who I do don't you, know. I'm do excited you, by the potential of this team more than last year's. I, I, I'm with you on that one. I'm much more interested in this year's squad mm-hmm. than I was in last year's. Yeah. Um, who do you think? Who do you think is more important to their success? Is it Michaelis or is it Ozuna? Um, I think in terms of expendability, um, you know, Miles Michaelis is is a pretty good pitcher, but you just have so many young arms that it's like if you lost him it probably weren't, wouldn't hurt as bad because you paid Ozuna to be your, your four-hitter. Yeah. You paid him to be the RBI guy. If you lose that guy, to me, that puts a lot of pressure on guys like Paul Goldschmidt and Matt Carpenter who, you know, we've seen what happens when the pressure is put on Matt Carpenter typically, you know, bows out. Yeah. Um, and is good for other spurts in the season. But um, I just think that puts a lot of – you know, unnecessary pressure on those two, and you start to have a lineup that looks a lot like last year's. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that 100. If Miles Michaelis, if he, you know, has a setback from last year, or God forbid, like you said, he gets injured, mm-hmm. they have enough young arms to hopefully try to compensate for that. Right. 
if Marcelo Zuna goes down or if he's ineffective, I think that hurts them more. Even though, yep. yeah, you could always replace him with Tyler O'Neill. Mm-hmm. There's no guarantee in what Tyler O'Neill's going to do. Right. So I'm with you 100%. I think Marcelo Zuna really is going to be a major key into yep. how this team is going to be next year, more so than almost than anybody else. 100%. Because he validates a lot of the reasons why you went out and got a guy like Paul Goldschmidt, a guy who's Absolutely. typically high average, who gets on base, you know, a good amount, um, is consistently a steady hitter. Those are the guys you put in front of guys like Marcelo Zuna because he's shown that at points in his career he could be a very good RBI guy. And you saw what Ozuna did last year, what he's capable of whenever he's feeling well. Yeah. I mean, when he finally got that cortisone shot or whatever it was in his shoulder, he was the Cardinals' best player. There was, was. No, there was no question. Right. So if you can get a full season of that, who knows yeah. how, how, how it's going to look. Right. Um, sticking with baseball, ESPN has announced they are doing away with baseball tonight. Uh, most people I've talked to, they were like, not even going to miss it. Don't watch it anymore. Mm-hmm. I watch MLB Network for my baseball information. So I think, okay, well, there's the reason why ESPN is doing away with mm-hmm. it. I think another thing, too, is that baseball has become so much more of a regional sport. It's no longer really a national sport. Yeah. You know, like baseball tonight, if the Cardinals aren't playing, I'm normally not watching the game. Yep. It's baseball is the by far the most boring sport to watch on television. Yes. Um, so viewership obviously is has been in decline. One of the big pressing points of baseball in itself is how do we attract young people? Well, mm-hmm. the people eating up the most media today are those young people. So if they're not watching your program, that means nobody's watching your program, really. The, the best comparison I can make to, to baseball is Congress. Congress's approval ratings are, like, down in the toilet. Right. I mean, they're, they're all, I mean, toilet is actually more popular than what Congress is. <laughs> And everybody's like, well, you know, if if Congress's approval ratings are so bad, how come all these people start getting, how come all these uh, people are getting reelected? Because mm-hmm. those are national approval ratings. Mm-hmm. You know, you may hate congressman or senator or whomever, but they're not from your state. Right. You know, you may be like, I can't stand Chuck Schumer. I can't stand Ted Cruz. Mm-hmm. But if you're not in his district voting for him, it doesn't really matter. Right. I think baseball is kind of like that. Nationwide, the ratings aren't very good. Mm-hmm. But you're talking about the the uh, regional cable. Mm-hmm. I think the ratings for a lot of those teams is actually pretty good. If the team's good or competitive, I think the ratings are actually going to be pretty good. So it's kind of like Congress. Nationwide, not that popular, but locally, mm-hmm. you, you like yours Yeah, for the most part. I think what baseball has less of that maybe some of the other professional sports or uh, you know organizations have is, you know, you have like three national teams that, you know, kind of sweep across the nation. You have, yeah. you have the Yankees, you have the Red Sox, and you have the Dodgers, right? So beyond that, it is very, very niche and very regional. You don't see people wearing Orioles hats around here. You see Not people, too often. You know, or wearing... Um, like Tampa Bay Rays stuff up here. It's you only see people wearing that stuff, you know, in in their you know regional broadcast area. But you do still still see people even who have no ties to Boston or New York or L.A. wearing that gear. So I'm to some point I'm I'm in a hundred percent agreement with you. There's I think a multiple factors as to why they pulled baseball tonight. The the biggest one being ESPN is just in decline as a whole right now, so they have to make cuts. Well, but. I mean, ESPN, you're right. They have to make their cuts when they can. Yep. And they have gone all in with the NBA. Yep. All in. Yep. I mean, like, I watch SportsCenter usually every morning starting at 6 o'clock. I'll watch it for about half an hour. Yep. And they're not like – the lead story is not the Super Bowl. The lead story is usually whatever happens in the NBA. Yep. And Anthony Davis down in New Orleans – 
is saying that he will not sign a contract extension with the Pelicans mm-hmm. and he wants to trade. That was the least story. They talked about that more than they did the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I even said this last night on Tuna Show, and Tuna thought I was nuts. I think eventually now, it, like we, the three of us, even though you're substantially younger than what Andy and I are, um, you know, we may be dead and gone, but eventually the NBA, I think, is going to take over the NFL as far as popularity goes. Uh, because it's, it's, a, it's a world sport. It is. It's a it global is. sport. That's one thing. And here's another thing, too. And this is, this is something that works against baseball. Mm-hmm. Baseball's best player. Like, let's say the, Cardinal, best, the Cardinals' best player is Paul Goldschmidt. Let's just say that. that let's just make that argument. Right. You're going to see Paul Goldschmidt bat four times, mm-hmm. maybe five if you're lucky. Yeah. And then he's going to play first base. And, yeah, he's going to get the throws from the other infielders, and he's going to take the cutoff throws. But for the most part, you're really not going to see the best player that much. Yeah. If you're watching the basketball game and you're watching the Golden State Warriors, you're going to see Steph Curry all the time. You're yeah, going to see true. Kevin Durant all the time. Yep. You know, even in football, you're going to see Todd Gurley and you're going to see Tom Brady out there, you know, at least half the time. There's more action. Well, I'm just also saying you're, you're seeing the stars right. more. Yeah, that's like, true. You know, like, hey, if, if, if the Cardinals, they're going to market – Harrison Bader, or they're going to market Paul Goldschmidt, and you only see them 20, 25% of the game. Yeah. It makes it difficult it to is. market to new people. It's a different game. It, one that's not on a time limit, so it's less action packed. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, and that's just what the beauty and the horror of baseball is. Absolutely. So you're either a baseball fan or you're not. There's no really like, eh, I kind of like it. Whereas if you kind of like the NFL or you kind of like the NBA, you're kind of, you know, you can still be pretty serviceable. There's no, you don't have that with baseball. Baseball is for hardcore fans. There's there's varying degrees of that, but what I mean is people who like baseball like baseball and are into baseball. Absolutely. S- stick with me here. Yes. I want to go. I want to circle back to Anthony Davis. Yes. Okay. So Anthony Davis, he said that he wants to go to the Lakers. Um, if you're the if you're the Pelicans, you're in no hurry to trade him. Right. And the Boston Celtics have also expressed interest in Anthony Davis, but they mm. can't make the trade for him until after the season's over. It's got something to do with the Derrick Rose rule. The NBA's got all kinds of different contract rules, and I'm not yeah. I'm not even abreast on all of them because they're, they're well, a lot of them are kind of screwy. Right. But they, there's no way that they could trade for Anthony Davis during the season without having to give up Kyrie Irving. So, but the Celtics can put together the better package because they got the better core of young players, and they still got Wait, a, uh, giving up Kyrie Irving. Are yeah. You, oh, you're talking about the Celtics. The Celtics. Okay. 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 Um, and they have a core. They have a better core of young players, and they've got a ton of draft picks. Yeah. So the Celtics can put together the better package for the Pelicans than what the Lakers can. So follow me on this, because the Pelicans they're they're going to be up for sale, and they are not drawing well. In New Orleans, and you're going to pitch this for St. Louis, and I, I have it on pretty good authority that the NBA is actually exploring the St. Louis market right now. Wow! As far as potential, so Jason Tatum gets part of the tra- as part of the trade package for Anthony Davis to New Orleans. So a- Jason Tatum will be a New Orleans Pelican. Right. The Pelicans are for sale, and they come up here, and that's how they market the NBA to St. Louis as Jason Tatum. I mean. I mean, <laughs> bring our Pelicans home. <laughs> well, they're hey, going to they're, they're they're change the name. They're going to change the name. There's not one Pelican outside. Will we be the best fans of basketball? <laughs> <I'd>, <laughs> it would be wild to have. I think having the NBA here would be great. I don't necessarily think St. Louis is an actual NBA market, but I've been proved wrong before. I think it, I, think it's I don't a, think it's a big market. 
Um, the thing that would concern me as far I think the fan support would be there mm-hmm. because number one, it's going to be the new thing in town. Everybody's going to want to go to yeah. it. Number two, there's still going to be some of that. We want to stick it to Cronky. Even the you know, there's still going to be a little bit of that. Yeah. And three, I mean, like younger people, they're more into the NBA than what the older crowd is. Yeah. You know, you see some of these kids, you know, high school kids are even younger. They all, they all love the NBA. They all got Steph Curry jerseys on. Uh, a friend of mine, his daughter went to the Warriors Bulls game in Chicago. I forgot mm-hmm. when it was, you know, a month or so ago. And somehow she got down on the court and got Steph Curry's autograph. Wow. So, I mean, like, these kids are into the NBA. Yeah. The thing that makes me nervous about it is the corporate support, whether or not the corporate dollars would be there. Yeah, that would be to the, buy other the thing is to who, me that who, was To me, that would be the biggest obstacle. It depends. I mean, what's more expensive, NFL corporate? I mean, corporate money? Sorry, if you're going to spend corporate money on, on NFL or NBA, is it equivalent? Or is, it, or is it a better deal? I mean, it's more games. It's more games. Absolutely, it's more games. You're going to have 40-something games. But, I mean, does it does it average out? But you make way more revenue with an NFL franchise. Right. I mean, does, But it also costs more. So it's really the cost-benefit analysis of Well, I mean, well, if, if it, it's, it's cheaper to run an NBA team than it is an NFL team yeah. because you've, like, the number of players. You have, you have 15 guys. And, and the equipment as well, too. Right. I mean, you're not buying helmets and shoulder pads and. Mm. Mm-hmm. Everything else, so I would imagine like running an NBA team is right. probably maybe a little oh, less I just, expensive. I was I just really meant is it more cost effective for a corporation to buy an NBA package or an an NFL package? I think it kind of depends on the market you're in and the, and the NBA team you're trying to buy and the NFL team you're trying to buy. Because they're talking about how difficult it was for the Rams to sell their luxury boxes the last few years they were here, and I'm yeah. like, well, no shit, the team stunk, and all you heard was rumors about how they were going to mo- be moving to LA. Right. Who's going yeah. to buy that? Yeah. Who's going to invest in that? Exactly. Nobody. Nobody. Why would you? As a, I mean, it, it was enough. It was hard enough to get fans to support that, and not again, not blaming the fans for what happened. It's not not their fault at all. It never never had any. It's never just, got anything to do with I, the fans. I'm just clarifying that. Yeah. But just you know, let alone get corporate dollars who are looking for return on investment and advertising dollars to support the NFL team, and you're, you're going to leave. Yeah. I wouldn't buy that. No. Why would no. you? I mean, it'd be like trying to buy advertising at a radio station where the lineup changes constantly. What? <laughs> where did that come from? I have no that? idea. Zinger! <laughs> Bazinga. Joining us on the phone right now is the L.A. Rams and NFL beat writer for The Athletic and an NFL insider for AM570 Sports in Los Angeles. Do you like how I say Los Angeles there, uh, Andy Hanselman? I, I do like how you All say right, that. Very, very, nice. very local of v- you. Thank you. Vinny Bonsignor. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Bonsignor. Vinny, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Doing, doing great. great. One thing I always say this, every time I have you and Amy Trask on, the one good thing that came out of uh, the Rams real from there. Okay. All right. And go. Vinny, I always say that the good, the only good thing that really came out of the Rams relocating uh, to Los Angeles is that I became friends with uh, with you and Amy Trask. I mean, that's the, that's the only good thing I got out of this. Well, in my case, that's a low bar for you. I feel bad. <laughs> uh, but certainly in Amy's case, you, uh, you hit the home run right there. Uh, so you're now you're down in Atlanta covering the Rams for Super Bowl 53. You've been covering the the NFL out in Los Angeles for a long time. H- has it sunk in yet that you're covering the hometown team in the Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I, I saw them at their at their very worst uh, um, in 
2016, um, it was about as bad as you can imagine or as it can get. Um, and you know, it's been, it's been lightning quick the way they've turned it around. Uh, there was a lot of moves that they made in St. Louis that, that, you know, uh, helped get them here. Uh, you start thinking about the Greg Zerlines and the Johnny Heckers, which were 2012, you know, moves that they made there. And then, you know, drafting Todd Gurley and, and Aaron Donald. Um, so there was a lot of St. Louis element, um, still remaining and still here. Um, but it is a little bit surreal. I think the fact that they've done it this quickly since coming home and, and that they've done it while playing at the Coliseum. The last time they went to the Super Bowl as a Los Angeles team, they, they played at the Coliseum in 1979. Um, so to see it happen as quickly as it has, and, and they're legit. It's a legitimately good team yeah. led, led by a coach who's, you know, on his way to being, you know, I, I, I sometimes I stop myself from saying this, but then I say, go ahead. Cause it's real. He's going to be one of the all-time great coaches before it's all said and done. He's on that track and is very well earned and a, a fabulous young quarterback. So it's surreal, but it is a bit surprising. Vinny, uh, you talked about it a little bit. Just give us a scoop. Todd Gurley not played a lot in these playoffs, been very absent from key moments of games. Uh, C.J. Anderson coming out of really nowhere. What's the deal? What's your read on the situation? And uh, what kind of impact do you think he can have on Sunday? Well, I wouldn't say games. Uh, he was good in the in the Cowboys game. Uh, he rushed for more than 100 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he was he was Todd Gurley in that game. But you know, granted, they shared the load with him, um, which was expected because C.J. Anderson earned it over those last two games of the season when Todd was was hurt and not able to play. C.J. Anderson came in and and forced their hand basically and said, you know what, it's not a bad deal to have two guys back there that are capable of doing this. Now the Saints game, absolutely. I don't know what was going on. He just didn't come out right. I was watching him, you know, uh, in early, you know, when they're out there preparing for the game and he was jumping so high that he was basically touching uh, the Superdome uh, roof or ceiling. And, you know, I thought, okay, he's up for this game, but it might've been that he was a little too <laughs> up for that game and it cost him early on. He just was out of it, kind of out of sorts. And he did things that he doesn't normally do. He, he, Todd Gurley doesn't drop passes. Todd Gurley catches passes and, you know, runs for 15, 16 yards. Uh, but it got the best of him early on. He came back, had a couple of good moments. The the touchdown run was a huge touchdown. Uh, then he also ca caught a pass on a third down, converted into a first down on one of their big drives in, in the second half. But but I'll say this. There's nobody that I'm thinking of that is more prepared or, or more motivated to have a big game than Todd Gurley. And he's kind of my uh, dark horse to, to maybe walk away with an MVP trophy because I think he's ready to – put that game behind them with a big game on Sunday. I think if the Rams have a shot and they end up winning on Sunday, he's going to be your MVP. And I don't think, I think it's going to either be way. him or Aaron Donald. Yep. To be honest with you. Yep. Um, the one thing I'll, I'll say this, the one thing about the Rams is it could be anybody They're Oh, sure. That's, that's what makes, that's what makes them so dangerous. It might be Brandon cooks. I could see Robert Woods doing it. Uh, if Cooper cup was healthy, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't put it past him or Aaron Donald or suit. Uh, or Todd Gurley or Jared Goff, so that's and that's the that's the trickiness of trying to beat this team. They've got so many bases covered on both sides of the ball. It might be Johnny Hecker for all we know, but they have a lot of ways, a lot of ways that they could beat you. And, and Hecker has won games or kept them in games just by winning field goal field position uh, early oh, on in sure. games where maybe the offense is struggling. So it's crazy, but they have this is a team that has you know, as many bases covered as you could possibly have, but they're going against a team 
that has masterfully done that as well. So it's it's going to be a fascinating uh, game on Sunday. The one complaint, I, for lack of a better term, I'm going to say complaint, that I've seen like you tweet about and Rams fans and other people who cover the Rams about McVay is that he kind of gives up on the run too early and wants to go, you know, wants to go to the pass and, and, and is sticking with the pass. But with C.J. Anderson and Todd Gurley, of those two, get the you can really get the ball going literally in the Super Bowl can you think can you trust McVay to stick with a running game or do you think he's going to be like uh, you know what I want to see the ball in the air let's get some passes out to Cooks in the woods um no I think I think he's you know he's done a really good job for the most part I think you know the the, the, the whole thing about him maybe abandoning the run game if there's such a thing as nitpicking I mean, I, I I tell fans all the time your team is thirteen and three. Everything's yeah. not going to always <laughs> like, be like, perfect. Like I said, so I, I don't want to. I hate about... saying the word complaint, but that's the only thing I can think of. Exactly. No, no, and you're right. And and you voiced a, an opinion that that is out the time, but it's it's you know, and not nothing against you, but but it's the epitome to me of, of nitpicking. Now, you know, and Sean has has taken it on uh, on on his own shoulders that sometimes. You know, he has a tendency to do that if the run game isn't working early enough. But he also has a great feel for, like, he knows why the run game is not working well. And in the games that this is, that's happened this year, especially the Bears game, um, they were just getting beat up up front. The, the offensive line had its worst game of the year that in that game. And they were just, they couldn't do anything. I mean, people were going, why, why are they running the ball? They're getting knocked back sometimes, like five yards, a loss, a pop. Um, so I think he felt like, you know, it wasn't, just because the running game wasn't happening, it was because of why it wasn't happening. And he felt like we got to do something, something different here. But ever since that Philadelphia Eagles game um, where they kind of got away from it at, at the run game a little bit too early as well, he basically made a commitment of what the Rams were going to look like moving forward and how it was going to have to be for them to win. And that is being a run oriented team. But, you look at the Saints game, um, and going into that game, I had some concerns about the run game just because I knew it was going to be so loud. And what that affects sometimes is the get-off of your offensive lineman because you're not just firing off the ball because you know you can hear your quarterback say whatever you know snap count it is. You have to sometimes – you can't hear him. So you have to wait for the ball to snap before you make your move because you just don't want to jump – you know, uh, offside. So it, because of that, I felt like the Saints would have an edge against the Rams running game. And that's why I felt Goff was going to have to come up big in that game because I didn't feel the run game w- was going to be there. So they won and they won on against the Saints without much of a help from from their run game. They had to they had to throw it. They had to rely on Goff. So they can do it. They can win without that. But I don't expect it, it to be that loud on Sunday where it's going to truly affect their run game. So I think it's going to be the more balanced Rams team that we typically see. Vinny, on the other side, you've got Brady, you've got Belichick, you've got Gronk, you've got the cast of characters that we've seen for years on end now. Can they just freaking lose already, and can they just all <laughs> retire? What's going on? Well, they, they, they actually have been. You know, uh, they, they, they lost <laughs> last year. Uh, what are they, two and five? I can't remember. i, I got to look it up again. But uh, one thing about the Patriots in the Super Bowl, it always comes down basically – Last play. I mean, they, yeah. they've not won in a blowout that, I, always that I can remember. Yeah, they're always close. They always come down to a field goal um, or something or a, a, a crazy Eli Manning pass or some some sort of last second, last minute type of a deal. Um, and you wonder if that's going to be the case again uh, on, on Sunday. And if it is, I, I do think the Rams are, are well prepared to play that kind of a game, especially since to me, their special teams is so good that 
when you're talking about those margins, those thin margins that exist in close games, sometimes you need big plays from everybody, contributions from everybody. And I think that they're pretty well positioned uh, uh, to do that. But yeah, I, I get the sense that there's a lot of backlash toward the Patriots. I get the sense that there's a lot of you know support for the Rams locally. Um, they knock the Saints out. They hate the Saints down here. They hate the Patriots because the Patriots ripped their hearts out yeah. a couple of years on the, on the comeback. So I think that uh, the Rams might have a little bit of support um, in the, in this game, and and but you know what, the Patriots feed off of that, so that that's not something that you know if you're a Rams fan you should feel real good about because they usually they like that villain underdog, um, you know, uh, type of a situation, so they feed off of it. Yeah, those those underdog Patriots yeah. are only going for their sixth Super Bowl win to tie this to tie the, what the Steelers. They're still here apparently. They're, they're still here. They went, they went away at some point. Yeah, I the off season out. I think is when they I were talking have, about when they went away. I must have got hammered. Cutty <laughs> little Patriots. Yeah, I must have slept through that <laughs> entire season. To me, that's what that's what always drives me crazy uh, about Boston. Annoying sports, as hell is that they always think like they're this little engine that could this yeah. underdog, the story that came out of nowhere. Right. You're none of that, dude. The David none versus Goliath. It. Yes, you're I'll, Goliath. I'll say this though. One time I was talking to JJ Watt and I asked him, you know, um, you know, because he was the guy, he was the two-star recruit. He was the guy that had to, you know, transfer schools and college, you know, and it's always been a chip on his shoulder. And I go, what if you, you know, like what now look at you, you know, and he was all, oh, don't worry, I'll make up something to, 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 to put a chip on my shoulder. Even if it's not real, I'll yeah. make that damn thing yeah. up. So you know how it works. It's, it's a little like, um, I saw the behind the music with Twisted Sister and Dee Snyder. And Dee Snyder's like, yeah, it was a beautiful day out. I'm at my mansion, and I'm on a float in my pool. And I'm like, I'm not too motivated to write the new Teenage Angst song because I'm not angry anymore. <laughs> exactly. So you I'm like, yeah, it. you got you got to fake it till you make it. Uh, Vinny, Sometimes so, you got to fake it after you've made it. Yeah. <laughs> You're right about you got to continue faking it for years and years. Right. So, it, Vinny, it, it's Sunday night about, you know, 930-ish. The confetti's coming down. We now have a new uh, a Super Bowl champion. Let's say it is the Los Angeles Rams, you're going to say the Los Angeles Rams won this game because of blank. I think uh, if, if we're looking at the uh, the nuanced way, uh, I'm going to say because Sue and Donald dominated up front and uh, and got a big push on on um, on, on Tom Brady yep. from the inside and, and forced him out of his comfort zones. And that resulted in a less than stellar Tom Brady. And that gave the Rams offense enough, uh, you know, leeway to, to, I think they're going to score points. I think the Rams will score points. Um, and now if the, if the Rams defense specifically Donald and Sue can, can, you know, uh, create some havoc, havoc up front. Um, we're going to look back and say, that's why they won the game. That was the key to it all. Vinny, I let those guys handle all the football questions. I answered the, I asked the, the uh, silly human interest questions. <laughs> what's your, what's your favorite part of Super Bowl week? I got to, uh, I got to, uh, experience it for the first time last year, and it's it's incredible. What what are you enjoying so far down in, in Atlanta? Uh, it's been hard. To, you know, this is the first time I've covered an actual team in the Super Bowl. Usually, I get to I get to go have fun, you know, and and just sort of pick and choose what I want to what I want to write about. Um, you know, so so it's been a little bit difficult uh, doing that here in Atlanta. Uh, but I mean, you know, you see all the fans, you see. Um, you know, the, everything's lit up. I, I always love that. I always love the uh, the look of the Super Bowl when it takes over, you know, a city. It feels big time, and, and the downtown area always looks great and sparkling, and it's the NFL, and we all love the NFL, and we all know why we're here. It's the darn Super Bowl. It's the, the best sports spectacle uh, out there. So I just like 
all of that. Now, you know, in the next couple of days, hopefully since now it's it's sort of died down, you know, everyone's getting back to a little bit of a normal routine. I'll be able to uh, to get out and about and really uh, in, enjoy the city a little bit more. I know a lot more fans are going to be coming in. They tend to come in uh, later on in the week. The weather's clearing up a little bit. So um, I'm going to have to take take a uh, get back at me on, on that uh, because I do plan to – I want to get out and about in, in Atlanta. It looks like there's some, some nice spots to hit up. Did you see our buddy Roderick on Monday night at opening night wearing his I Love St. Louis T-shirt? I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> it's no, it's, it's, it's it's tough, you know. I, 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 I'm feeling, I'm feeling St. Louis's, St. Louis's pain. Um, you know, it's got to be uh, just, just, you know, they're playing the Patriots. I'm sure they hate the Patriots, and obviously they hate, you know, uh, the Rams and 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 you know, uh, the the front office and the owner and 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 we get that. And you know, I know that it sounds, it's it's the fans out in Los Angeles will say, well, that's what we dealt with. And, and I think that that's one thing that yeah. I don't think that LA Ram fans feel like has gotten enough. Um, like it's, it's been understood the way, you know, uh, in St. Louis, the way they're trying to express it. It was like, this is what we felt like, you know, from there, this is what the fans are saying. This is what we felt like in 1994 when the Rams left for St. Louis. So it's like there's there's empathy, but there's not sympathy because in their eyes, a right was made, a wrong was made a right by by the Rams coming sure. back. And, and while they feel bad for St. Louis, it's like, you know, but we got our team back. And that's the, that's, that's the you know, what, what how they feel about it and, and what they focus on. Well, well sticking with this topic, the, like you said, these two, they've met in a Super Bowl. It was 17 years ago, 2002. Yes. And at that time, okay, what – current reality would seem to right now what current reality would seem unfathomable 17 years ago after that Super Bowl was over that the Rams are back in Los Angeles or that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are still winning Super Bowls that's crazy when you think about that um I, I'd have to say that the that the Rams coming back because you know they were just starting out Belichick and, and Brady were basically just you know just starting out right there so you can see that hey you know if it, 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 guys are playing a little bit longer now and uh they they he was young at the time so the rams i mean it was a long way away from them having any sort of a out to get out you know yeah to, to move out you know that was going to be years down the road and and then a lot of things had to fall into place uh as well i mean there was a there was a f- farmer's field let's let's talk about that had the dean smatos told me that he had a deal to move the chargers to farmer's field. Um, and then it fell apart because uh, Phil Anschutz changed the dynamics of the deal at the last second. And it became what, what looked like a good deal for the chargers turned was a bad deal. So he's like, I couldn't do it, you know? And he goes, and so had the chargers moved to farmer's field had that deal gone through, we would not be talking about the Los Angeles Rams. They would have, I don't know if they would have stayed in St. Louis um, or, you know, I don't know what that, what 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 they would have San done Antonio in that situation? Rams. London <laughs> you know, London Rams, the Vegas Rams, Toronto well, Rams. Of that, <laughs> because of that, and then because of you know uh, decisions that were that were made on the on the on the local level in St. Louis to you know on the on the on the stadium itself, and and we all know all all of that. Had that been different, then the Rams would have never had the leeway to to get out of their to get out of their lease. So a lot of a lot of things had to happen. And a lot of years had to go on before it could even happen. So, yes, definitely the Rams being back um, would have seen the, the least likely at that. That was a painful time for Los Angeles. Oh, I bet, I, sure yeah, I bet it was. I bet it was. Yeah, I had fans that were pissed off. They were like huge Patriot fans right there. 
because friends friends of mine that they, they just couldn't stomach the Rams all of a sudden being really good and being in St. Louis of all places. It was like, how the hell did this happen? It's, a, it's, a, ama- it's, a, it's, it's amazing. How it's it's St. Louis and why? Why would anyone <laughs> do that? Nothing against St. Louis. No, sure. Right. It's it's, it's it's funny how the world works. Uh, yes. Speaking of the Chargers, why do Rams fans hate the Chargers so much? I don't get it. I've I've seen you on Twitter kind of, you know, battle back against them. Is isn't LA big enough where both teams and both fan bases can can work in peace? It I mean is, like I, 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 I don't is. get it. I don't understand why they're you so offended say, by you, it. You will after I tell you I'll tell you after after I explain it to you, okay? Imagine the Dodgers left for twenty years, okay? And lo and behold, wherever they moved to, they got a chance to, to rethink it. And they had the flexibility to, to maybe come back to Los Angeles. And so, they, you know, we're going to come back to L.A. And everybody in Los Angeles or Dodger fans that remained. Um, and you got to understand there were a lot of Ram fans that still remained. And just even the fans that had kicked into the curb were like, wait, oh, wait, oh, that, that might be pretty cool. The Rams are coming back. I, all right, you know, so yeah. everyone gets their hopes up that the Dodgers are coming back after all these years away. And then all of a sudden, the San Diego Padres, who nobody in Los Angeles gives a rip about, says, no, we're going to go to Los Angeles. And by doing, and we're going to come up with our own stadium plan and then plants the seed and sets forth a battle for the next year that. Nobody knew how it was quite going to turn out, but there was a possibility that the Padres might, uh, you know, stand in the way of the Dodgers coming back. Now, imagine the anger. Can you can you feel that the anger that would that would, the yeah, anger and I the mean... fate and the this the Padres owner would be would have been the face of that. The Charger or the or the Padres would have been the face of that. So there was a lot of anger that got built up during that 2015 run to Los Angeles. Okay, and it was yes. So there you go. That's, so and so and okay. I, hey, let me tell you something. I've told, I, I've I've told, ex, tried to explain to people in the Chargers to brace for that because I felt it. I saw it on Twitter. I saw the anger every time I would tweet something. Everybody would start fighting. The mm-hmm. L.A. Ram fans with the Oakland Raider fans, the Charger fans with you know I guess anybody in in, in L.A. The the St. Louis Ram fans with the L.A. Ram fans and and the the L.A. Ram fans were with the with with. Anybody that was associated with the Chargers and the Raiders, too, because they were involved in that. There would have been less, there would have been more tolerance for the Raiders coming back because they do have a fan base in L.A. But but, but for whatever reason, Dean Spanos and the Chargers became the face of all that angst and all that possibility that this could, could all get ruined by the San Diego Chargers blocking out the Rams. And well, that anger is anger that they haven't been able to rectify or get over. Let me tell you this. We'll take the Chargers off your hands right now. How about that? <laughs> Problem solved. We can move them here. We can send the Chargers like the name and the colors. We rename back to, them to the sta- back, Stallions. Back, back to San Diego. So, yeah, we learned our lesson. <laughs> the Chargers With all name- due respect, they don't want to go to San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> we just, don't want them then. Yeah, then we yeah, don't want screw them. Exactly. Yeah, fine. You don't want me, exactly. I don't want I don't you. Know. I, I don't know what's, how it's all going to work out for St. Louis, but I, I, I just – you know, I, I think the next opening, if there is one, um, London is going to be um, a place that that somebody that yeah. somebody goes to. Mexico I don't think City. anyone's going to. I think I don't think anyone's going to backfill Oakland. Um, so I think it's London. I think it could be Toronto. Um, but short of that, and plus the NFL likes the current um, 
setup. They like the four team. Was it eight team, four, four yeah, team, 32 eight, teams, eight, the way it kind yes, of lays exactly, out. Yeah. The 32 team format. So you can see the Jacksonville Jaguars moving to, to London before, before long. He is Vinny Bonsignor. He writes for The Athletic. He covers the Rams as well as the uh, the National Football League. He's also an NFL insider for AM570 Sports in Los Angeles. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Vinny Bonsignor. He's a great dude. I've said it all the time. And people are like, why do you have Vinny on? Vinny hates St. Louis. I'm like, I've hung out with Vinny. Vinny does, Vinny not, does ha- not hate St. Louis. Vinny does not I hate like St. Louis. Louis. I tell people that all the time. He doesn't hate the city. Quit getting your... Quit getting your feelings hurt. Quit filing that that hurt feelings report. It's 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 not necessary. Vinny likes the town. He likes you. He really does. He thinks you're pretty. No need to no no need to get upset. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Appreciate Thank you. <laughs> appreciate your time, sir. Uh, and enjoy the Super Bowl on Sunday. All right, man. You too. I'll see you over there. Thanks, Vinny. Thanks, Vinny. Hey, this is Renee Knott from Today in St. Louis on Five on Your Side. You are listening to the Last Man Up podcast. Don't turn that dial. You've been listening to the Last Man Up podcast. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at Last Man Up Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Burger. Follow Clay at Ton of Clayton. And you can follow Andy at Emo6. Um, they had something on Yahoo today. It was the top 10 worst coaching decisions in Super Bowl history. Uh, you can almost guess what number one is because it was fairly recent. But number 10. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Number 10 <laughs> was Mike Ditka giving the ball to William the Refrigerator Perry. Ah. And it's it's kind of funny. This is number 10. Because but, they, but they won that Super Bowl. They won it, but Walter he should have given the ball to Walter Payton. Well, yeah. That's not, who you give the ball to. And not the refrigerator. And Walter Payton was really hurt by that. And, I mean, there's a reason why when you're doing humanitarian work, it's the Walter Payton Man of the Year honor. Because there was nobody in the NFL who hated Walter Payton. And Mike Ditka even said that was a terrible thing that he did, that he should have given the ball to Walter Payton. So that's number 10. Okay. Okay. Number nine is Bill Parcells kicks it to Desmond Howard. I remember that Super Bowl as well. That was Super Bowl uh, 31 between the Patriots and the Packers. And Desmond Howard ended up being being the Super Bowl MVP that year. 1996? I don't know why anybody Uh, ever kicked it. Yeah, 96. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was when Desmond Howard, I mean, he was unbelievable. Yeah. Keith Jackson. Desmond Howard. Hello, husband. <laughs> Great. That's not a bad impression. Thanks. That's not bad. Thanks. Number eight, Tony Dungy kicks it to Devin Hester. Oh, yeah. Mm, I remember yep. that one, too. Yeah. Even though they ended up winning that one, that was a pretty bad decision. Yep. Because that's back when he was like, he took almost everything to the house, or it was a guarantee. Back to last year, Bill Belichick benches Malcolm Butler. Yep. For Super Bowl 52. Yep. There's a lot of questions yeah. about Bill Belichick after that decision. Number six, Joe Gibbs, risky screenplay uh, in Super Bowl 17. That one I don't remember. That was against the Raiders, and we were like, I wasn't I was, even alive. Yeah, you weren't alive, alive. <laughs> and Andy, you and I were children. Yeah. Uh, Andy Reid takes a sweet time. Yes, that is one yep. thing about Andy Reid. That was Super Bowl uh, 39 against. Uh, Against the Patriots yep. when he was the head coach of the yep. Eagles. Yeah. That's one that's one of the knocks you can say about Andy Reid is that his time management is god-awful. His clock management is really bad. That was number five. Number four was Bill Belichick going forward on fourth and 13. Also, that what was year? that? Uh, Last year? That, no, that was when the Super Bowl, that's when they were 18-0. Oh, yeah. against the Giants. Mm. So that's when he went forward on fourth and 13. That was one of the bonehead decisions. Um, number three. What happened to number three? 
didn't give me the whole thing. You got to pay for additional access? I shouldn't have to. Oh, here we go. Story continues. Number three, Kyle Shanahan's entire second half play calling Super Bowl 51. Yes. That one could probably go on just Atlanta's entire offensive and defensive. Like everything about that game, the second half, you you should be fired for. The top ten could have been all Kyle Shanahan's calls. Yes. That entire second half of Super Bowl 51. That was on the way to being a blowout. Yes, it was. And everybody was stunned. 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 And then they just completely forgot about handing the ball off to Devonta Freeman. Right. And just kept throwing the ball. And, and New England got back at the game and won it in overtime. I mean. They had the hand around the throat. They just didn't squeeze hard enough. Uh, number two, none of us were alive for this one either. It was Forrest Gregg calls four straight plays for no gain Ugh. on first and goal. That was the Ice Bowl. Man. I remember that. <laughs> none well, of us remember that. Biggest that game was, of my life. That was 19, <laughs> about 1969. <laughs> and number one, we all know it. Pete Carroll doesn't give the ball to Marshawn Lynch. Yeah. We all know what happened there. Terrible, terrible play call. The Patriots won again. No, that wasn't the Patriots. Yes, it was. It, it was, was the Patriots. That was the one where Malcolm, Malcolm Butler, Butler makes the interception. Yep. Oh, that's right. Because they were talking about like how his the last time that he intercepted it because Malcolm Butler went to like a D two school or a division know. or division one uh, sub bowl division or whatever it is. He went to a smaller school, and they're talking about how his last interception was only like in front of like five thousand people mm-hmm. at whatever stadium he was playing at. Yep. And now the next interception you make is going to be the one that wins the Super Bowl. I mean, yeah. it's, it's crazy how life works. God, that seems so long ago. It does seem like a long time ago. But it wasn't. <laughs> no. It wasn't. God, it seems like forever ago. That was three years ago. Yeah. God, the Patriots are always in the Super Bowl. I'm always. Annoyed. I have been. I'm annoyed. I am too. And it's like I, I keep going back and forth about like, okay, I'm rooting for the Rams, I'm rooting for the Patriots, I'm rooting for the Rams, I'm yep. rooting for the Patriots. I've been hearing some of Joe Roderick's stuff that he's been putting on on SoundCloud, and he's down there interviewing some of the former St. Louis Rams that are still on the team, like Johnny Hecker and Roger yep. Saffold and and uh, Rob Havenstein and, or Havenstein and a couple other players. And they're, you know, Roger Saffold even gave St. Louis a shout-out after they won the NFC. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I, I know the players still there. It's, it's had nothing to do with players, had nothing to do with – with the coaches, had nothing to do with the fans, had nothing to do with that. It's got everything to do with one person, that's Stan Kroenke. So I'm kind of like, you know what? Just screw it. Just deal with it. Cheer for the Rams. And then I read that piece on Deadspin.com about Stan Kroenke and what a POS he is. And I'm like, yep, I'm back to rooting for the Patriots. So <laughs> I will never, ever um, root for the Patriots. Ever. I- I just don't know how you can base your viewership and fanship off the owner. I mean, off the ownership. I mean, there's no more disconnected people from their actual job than professional sports owners. I'm not, I can't say that you're irrational. I can't say it. But I mean, like, here's the way I, I like say he like, yeah, he's a piece of shit, but he doesn't bug me to the point where I'm not going to. I just don't like, understand you know how, it. You I just don't understand to see it. the blue and gold in the NFC championship game. I mean, it's going to be awesome to see the blue and gold in the. And, and, I, and, Super Bowl. I, and I like a lot of their players. I do too. I like so They're many. They're a fun team to watch. I like man. so many of their players. But I mean, here. Crocky's just a poop butt licker. And I say. <laughs> poop mouth. And I said this at the time of the relocation. They're like, if the Rams go back to LA, are you still going to be a fan? And I go, it all depends on how they go about it. If St. Louis was like Oakland or San Diego, where they completely screwed up the entire, you know, trying to keep them here process, right. I'd be like, you know what? I can't blame them. Go. Yeah. I'd be like, voyo con Dios. Yeah. But the thing is, is that I didn't want to get into it with Vinny about how, you know, how the LA Rams fans felt 
in 95 when the team came right. here wasn't exactly the same thing because I've seen the pictures of those empty stadiums out in Anaheim. They really had no choice, and L.A. wasn't trying to keep them. No, L.A. wasn't like, civically, at all. They, civically, they were not trying to keep them. Yeah. A little bit different than what happened here. So that's it. Another thing, too, is that, okay, like if you're going to divorce your wife, that's fine, but you don't have to call her a fat pig on your way out of court. And that's kind of what Kroenke did. Right. I mean, just completely trash the city for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> that was a that was a vivid. Yes. Analogy. Very vivid. <laughs> Talking about like how if any NFL that was team very descriptive. If any NFL team comes here, they're on their way to financial ruin. There's no way that you can run any NFL team to financial ruin. You get two hundred and fifty million dollars from the TV contract alone. Just for being in the NFL, bam, right there, two hundred and fifty million dollars. Did you see what they're projected to get if they get this Amazon deal? No. Like, their TV revenue will go past $5 billion okay. by 2020. So, there's <laughs> there's no way you can tell me. Jesus. Yeah. There's no way. $5 that, billion. There's no way that you can tell me that your organization is going to go under because of the no. city that you're living in. No. If you're getting that kind of revenue just for being a part of the league. You, you just, just get a show-up money. You just show it up. Fucking Jacksonville is a viable NFL market. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yes. So I mean, I mean, th- I, mean oh. so I don't even like Jacksonville, the city. It sucks. It's a shithole. That's what I'm it, saying. It is. So it's, it's in the it's, worst part of the worst state it's the in stuff, the country. It is. <laughs> it's, a, it's the stuff like that. And, it's and, a dead zone. And if he would have been honest, too, if he would have been like, look, I can make more money. I'm a greedy. I'm a greedy MFer. Yeah. I can make more money with my team in L.A. than I can here. So that's the reason why I'm moving. And I would almost respect it. I wouldn't like it, but I'd respect it. It's just the way that he lied to everybody. I mean, when when Kevin Demoff was making the corporate- him and him and fucking Demoff. When, I was gonna say it. when, when Demoff when Demoff was making the corporate uh, rounds yeah. last year they were here. Yep. Yep. He went out to the too big to fail bank that I worked at, and he flat out he, a friend of mine got to talk to him after he gave his little speech or whatever. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine got to talk to him and he looked at my friend dead in the eye and lied to him. You know, I, 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 can't, I can't cheer for anybody like that. I just can't. And if you want yeah, to tell but don't me th- cheer for him and Kroenke. Like, just oh, cheer for the Rams. They're, they're one and the same. They're joined at the hip. No, they're not. Yeah, nah, they are. Not. No, they're not. There's, professional sports owners and the actual team are so disjointed. There's probably guys on that team that literally will go their entire Ram career without speaking or even being in the same room as Stan Kroenke. Oh, I will not be a happy camper. If on Sunday night I'm looking on my TV and there's Stan Kroenke holding... Change the channel! I will have to, or I'm going to shoot the TV like Elvis <laughs> yeah, I mean, did when, when the game's the over, if they win, just change the channel. You already know who wins. Yay, who, who gets the shit? It's a That's trophy. true. I did do that. All right, who wins? Uh, I'm going New England on this one because if you give Bill Belichick two weeks to prepare for uh, an off, uh, uh, the defense to prepare, to prepare for an offense, he's going to. We we talking. We kind of joked about it with Vinny. Yep. 17 years ago was when they won their first Super Bowl, and they're still at it yep. in the NFL. The NFL is supposed to stand for not for long, but they're bucking that trend. There's not going to be anything on the football field that Sean McVay is going to do that Bill Belichick probably hasn't seen before. And But Vinny's right. If they can get pressure up the middle with, with Donald and Sue, then I like the Rams' chances. If they can't get to, to Tom Brady at all, I think the Patriots win. I think it's going to be another close one, though. I'll say... 27-24, New England. Claytonian? I got 31-24 Rams, although Sony Michelle is going to have a really big day because uh, the Rams can't stop the freaking run to save their lives. That's true. Um, Sonald, uh, not Sonald, Sue and Donald are going to get theirs, I think. Um, and I think Todd Gurley just has a really, really big game. I think he just was resting the legs last week. Thirty-one. Or two tw- weeks ago, I should say. 31-28 Rams. Is there a line? 
kicks the game-winning field goal. So it's going to be like the exact opposite kind of what happened 17 years ago. Yep. Yep. It's going to be Zerline breaking their hearts at the gun. That's correct. You know, and I mean, then like, Roger Goodell and Stan Kroenke kiss on the podium after oh, the they, game. You know, they might as well. Butterfly They kisses. might as well just full-blown make out right there in front of everybody. It. I'd love to see it. <laughs> Drink each other off love up, there to see on, it. up there yeah. on the podium. Back there giving each other those Dutch rudders or whatever it was. Decide who's Dutch got a rudder. Cincinnati bow ties. Decide who's got a weaker chin out of the two of them. Decide whose chin is weaker. Cleveland. <laughs> Come here, Stan. God. It's time for your Cleveland steamer. All right, we need to wrap this up for the love we of God. We do need to wrap it up. Special thanks to Vinny Bonsignor from The Athletic and from uh, AM570 Sports in Los Angeles. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Vinny Bonsignor. Everybody enjoy Super Bowl 53, and we will see you on the other side.